kind of Arab Pesach rush. An Arab Pesach rush of learning. But this is so good that it's worth it. Okay. We have been talking about Matir Asurim. Hashem frees the imprisoned. And we've been talking about it from the perspective that we have to as well acknowledge that Hashem also puts in prison the one who he takes out from prison and that we are trying to take, I don't know, the word is not maybe holistic, but a bigger view of what is going on here so that we can try and get the whole message, let's say, right? Maybe there's a bigger message than, than the already big message of redemption. Um, there's a principle in, in the Talmud. I think it's miklal lav atashomeahin. From the negative, you can hear the positive. Meaning, when something, there's a subtext. If you say, matira surim, Hashem redeems the imprisoned, <laughs> that's a positive statement, but you can hear within that also the subtext that someone was imprisoned. Mm -hmm. Okay? And we have gone so far as to recognize that the prototype here seems to be Yosef, who was a prisoner in Mitzrayim. That Yosef himself came to his brothers and said, don't let this upset you. Hashem has sent me here in order to provide for us. Um, and, you know, we, we understand he's speaking with a full heart. Um, we see that this is a pattern that seems to go back even before Yosef to Gan Eden. So Yosef is fighting his Yetzirah, but in Gan Eden is the original Yetzirah, uh standoff. <laughs> Standoff's the wrong word because it wasn't much of a standoff, sounds like. Mm -hmm. Right? And where the result was Itzavon, this idea of frustration, sadness, that there's some kind of price we're paying in trying to achieve our goals, trying to achieve that of value, that, that somehow it's difficult, it doesn't just come easily anymore. And that's the same word, al te'atzvu. Yosef says to the brothers, don't be frustrated, don't be sad about what happened. So, and, and that it's for food, and the itzavon of Gan Eden is related to food, right? You'll, you'll eat by the sweat of your brow, itzavon tochlena, you'll eat from the ground with this, from this state of itzavon, coming from the state of achieving what's good is difficult, which was not, which was not and is not the natural state of the world. The way the world was created and was created to be and to get back to its, its state is a state where it's Gan Eden. You need food, you reach out, and you take food. You don't have the sweat of your brow to make bread. You pluck it off a tree. By the way, the ultimate example of that is the bread in the desert. You open the door, and your bread is there. It doesn't require work. It doesn't require preparation. It barely requires digestion. It's perfect, okay? It's perfect. So there's this relationship here. It is a relationship with food. We're not going to go in that direction at this state, maybe someday. <laughs> but there's some connection here, some kind of overall pattern of the imprisonment, the struggle with the Yetzirahara, the loving kindness, right? Hashem says the land will will be held back from producing on your behalf so that there's 
a loving aspect to the state of frustration and difficulty and struggle. And this, is, this pattern is what we've seen so far. And I think that what probably where we finished was we said um, that when the Torah says Yosef fled outside in his final confrontation with Mrs. Potiphar, Yosef fled outside. Vayanas, I think it's Vayanas Achutza is the word. Um, that this is an echo of what Hashem told to Avraham. Hashem said to him, uh, Hashem, at the Brisbane of Asarim, Hashem took Avraham outside. Outside of what? So Rashi tells us, based on Chazal, he took him outside of the Mazalos. He took him outside of the natural world, which was the world of under the thick line, mm-hmm. right? Which includes the world of Yetzirah, um, which Yetzira has not only the tangible physical, it's also our life force, it's also our emotion, it's also mazel, it's also climate. These are all part of the natural cycles of the world that influence us in our lives. And Hashem took Avraham up and out of that. When was that? At the Brisbane Habasarim, at the covenant. This is before Yitzchak was born. Okay. All right, so then we said that that hachutza, that outside place, outside the natural cycles that Hashem took Avraham, somehow that's where Yosef fled to. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I'm going to, let me, let me read you this medrash about what happened with Yosef. Rav Huna Amar, Rav Huna taught, Yosef's job was to serve his master, that would be Potiphar, and he would set the table, he would clear the table, he would bring in cups, he would wash the cups, he would make the beds. And Mrs. Potiphar would say to him, you're so intelligent, you're so talented, you're so capable, everything you do succeeds. It's a puzzle, right? This is the kind of work you're doing? Don't you feel unfulfilled, <laughs> unappreciated? Why, like, why, why would, <laughs> like, how do you feel about my husband, you know, using you for such menial work? She said, I could keep you busy with other things, more interesting work. And he said, Ose mishpat la'ashukim. Hashem does justice for the oppressed. We know this pasuk, it's the source of the bracha. So, she said to him, I'll cut off all your sustenance. You're not going to have a bite to eat if I don't release it to you. And he said, God gives bread to the hungry. No say lechem l'reivim. And she said, I will tie you up in iron chains. You cannot get away from me. And he said, Hashem matir asuri." God releases the bound. He frees the imprisoned. And she said, I'll poke your eyes out and blind you. And he said, Hashem pokeach ivrim. God gives sight to the blind. And she said, I will bend you and break you till you can't stand. And he said, Hashem zokef kifufim. God straightens the bent. That'll be later, how far did this go, this bullying, until 
she took some kind of iron skewer and held it against his neck so that he would be forced to look at her. He wouldn't even look at her. And he just wouldn't look, even though it meant he was skewering himself on this iron, iron bar that she was holding. This is Yosef Hatzadik. Okay, so this is a very, this is a very fraught medrash. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. This medrash, so I, where I found it is in the Yalkut Shimoni. The Yalkut Shimoni is a book that collects together, many, it's sort of the classic standard collection of midrashim on Parshas Vayeshev. Perak Lamates Os Kufmem Vav, for the record. Okay, it's the bottom of page 92 in the most typical edition, but there's more than one now. All right. So let's. Let's think for a couple minutes about what's going on here. The Beni Shchai describes it like this. He says, And the master of Yosef took him. That's referring to Hashem, who is the master of the universe. And he put him in the jail. I'm trying to save time. That's not always such a good idea. Perak Lamates Posokhav. Vayikach Adone Yosef Oso. Yosef's master took him. Vayitneo Alves Hasoar. Makoma Sherasiri Hamelachasurim. And he gave him into the jail, to the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were imprisoned. Vayisham Beves Hasoar. And he was there in the jail. And he, what does it mean he placed him in the jail? The Ben Ishchai says. He sent his neshama to this world which is like a prison. That's interesting. Ben Yishchai says, you know why being for a neshama to be stuck with a body? That's a, that's a glorious thing, right? I mean, this is, our, this is the chance for a neshama to have merit accrue to it. But it's dependent for that on a body with a Yetzir Hara. Our neshamas, you know, when you look in the mirror, it's hard to see that there's somebody behind your face. There's somebody else in there who's totally dependent on you, and it's you. And you're dependent on you to provide for you. <laughs> and the one you're dependent on has a yetzerhara, and has taivas, and has to rest, and has to shower. And so there's this aspect of you that isn't high in your awareness, that knows that its time is limited and there's so much that could be done and also so much damage that could be done. And it's depending, it's, you know, it's like having like a really weak business partner. <laughs> things you just can't do and you have to let them do it. <coughs> okay. Now if we take what the Ben Ishchai said, when it says that Yosef's master took him, this is Hashem. And he put him in the jail. That's Hashem sending his neshama into a body that's got a Yetzir Hara going on in there. And now we look back at how he was reacting to Mrs. Potiphar. Okay? Because every time Mrs. Potiphar says, I am in control of you. I can do whatever I want to. Now remember, this is part of his imprisonment, even though he's not in the prison. He's a slave. 
He's, you can see from this exchange the fact that he isn't free. He's really not free. And yet, he's really free. He's really free because in the end he can say, you know what? There's nothing you can do to me that isn't God doing to me. You don't have control over me. That doesn't mean I won't get hurt, right? Because his answers are, It doesn't mean he can't be hurt, but he knows who's really in control. This is lifting him out from the level of reacting to the Yetzirah, reacting to, I mean, you know, someone who has an iron skewer at their throat, even with the greatest degree of emuna and bitachon, there will be a natural reaction they'll shake, right? I was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's like a certain physical response that's going to happen. Is, is it, it, would it be that, like, she's sort of the, in the nimshal, she'd be like the Yetzirah? You would think, except the Yetzirah seems to be him, in him. Yeah. He's got his Yetzirah. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very interesting. There's a, there's a medrash that's well known for two-thirds of it, and then there's the third-third, which I'd never seen until I happened to open it up. This happens a lot. <laughs> People like selectively, right? So you, there's a very famous medrash about Hillel. You hear this with Hillel, that Hillel is of the poor people, right? Because even though he was so poor, he took this, what was for him, a huge percentage of his money, and he would give it to be able to pay the entrance fee to the base medrash. Because of him, they stopped taking an entrance fee to the base medrash, but at that time, there was an entrance fee, and one time he didn't have the money, and it was cold, and he went up on the roof, and then it snowed, and he almost died, and they had to bring it, right? He's of the poor, and I forget the name of the Rav, there's a different one, and the Gemara, who's of the wealthy people. He inherited 42 cities and thousands of ships, and, you know, he hired managers, to take care of a lot of his work so that he would be able to learn. Even if he's Mechayev, yeah. So that's that's another. What it means is that when a person, as far as I understand it, there's probably more to it than that, that when a person goes to heaven and is told that what I'm telling you is what it also says in the Medrash. I'm not just interpreting it. It says, when a person will go to heaven and they'll say to him, why didn't you learn Torah? And he'll say, but I was so poor. I had to spend oh, all my time oh, okay. to earn a living, to put food in my mouth. Only after I have food can I think about learning. And they will say to him in the Beis Din Shalmala, were you more poor than Hillel? And then it tells the story of Hillel. And then if they say, why didn't you learn more? Exactly. Why didn't you learn more Torah? And he'll say, but I was so wealthy and there were so many obligations. There were people who needed me and there were business that required my attention. We all know about the busyness, even if we don't know about the wealth, right? We know what it means, the busy and the demands and the... And they would say, are you more wealthy? I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. I didn't bring the source with me. It wasn't like a planned part of this class, right? And they say, were you wealthier than him? You know, that somehow he managed to delegate certain things and be able to say they might be done the way I want, they might not be done exactly the way I want. He delegated to the extent there was once a city he came to which he owned, and they didn't recognize him. Imagine, like, the owner of the city, and they don't know who he is because there was someone else running it. And they said they say they see him there and they say, Excuse me, buddy, today's the day when we all have to contribute our day of work to the owner of the city. What are you doing here just standing around? Come join in the work. And he's like, uh and they're like, You're not getting out of it. And he ended up having to work a day of hard labor for himself. <laughs> because it's like this was like the tax for living in the city. 
right? Well, that, those are more famous stories. Turns out that the climax of that medrash is if somebody will go to heaven and they'll say to him, not so much why didn't you learn Torah, but why weren't you righteous? Why didn't you live up to your potential? And he'll say, it's my Yetzirah. I, I just couldn't overcome it. And they'll say to him, did you have a more powerful Yetzirah than Yosef HaTzadik? The conclusion there is, Yosef is Mechaev, the Rishaim. Now that's, that's quite a statement, yeah. right? Because, hang on, <laughs> the Rishaim? I mean, are you, are you even like suggesting that there, it's, that's quite a suggestion that I don't even think I could say, right? There's a little implication there. If you follow the model of the previous two stories, which conclude with this one, right? In other words, we have a decision to make about Yitzhar, and we all know it. We all know, we all know people who say, excuse me, there's billboards out there right now. We're not bad people, we did a bad thing. I don't know if you've come across <laughs> that one. There are two of them on my way home. And it shows some sort of horror, but some advertisement for something, I don't know what, a movie, a TV show, I don't know, okay? We're all familiar with this. You can't say I'm bad. Maybe not everything I do is good. Now, the fact is we, we've talked about this a lot, so we're not going to rehash, right, about the, the pure soul and the importance of our deeds. And uh, I mean, we will rehash over and over over years, but <laughs> not today, yeah? Yosef is Mikhail the Rishayim. You have a Yitzhahara. Your job is to fight it. When you look at how Yosef responds, Kids once brought home a beautiful thing, I think from Mrs. Berkowitz's class, with the Yetzirah speaking as a, as a training coach, like a boxing coach, right? I'm going to hit you, and I hit you, and I hit you, and I hit you. But what makes me happy is that you keep getting up. That's the goal. The goal is you should succeed. The Yetzirah is a malach. It's <laughs> God created it to help us succeed. Okay. Yosef is coming from a point where he's saying, there's nothing you can do to hurt me. Anything that will happen to me, even if it's through you, is God. So he is lifting himself up to a plane that gets him up over the thick line. It puts him up into the supernatural space. It's putting, he's putting himself into a space of supernatural. He's saying, you are not actually controlling me. You may be the one who's holding a stick. You may be the one who's tying my arms. You may be the one who's saying I can't eat anything. But in the end, this isn't between me and you, Mrs. Potiphar. This is between me and God. Okay. So he took it as um, a test from Hashem, in a way. 100%. He didn't lose the focus. It doesn't mean he didn't feel the Yetzirah. If he didn't, he wouldn't be of anyone else, right? He did. And yet, he's able to keep thinking. He's not only reacting based on the feeling. He's reacting with thought. He is saying to himself, right? He's saying to her, there's something more than you. There's something more than what I feel. There's a bigger picture than today. There's something more than the pain. There's something bigger. In the end, it really took Hashem's help to finally get him out of there. 
he has to step into that supernatural space and then Hashem sends the image of his father before his eyes at the key instant and that saves him <coughs> but that's because he held out that's what Rav Huna is telling us this holding out step after step after step okay this is where we're gonna yeah that we all face this we all face it what did you say that space was called? Was called the again? supernatural? No, the, that Hashem took Yosef out. Chutza. Chutza. So with Yosef, it says he fled. Vayanas, he fled. Pasuk Yudbeis. Vatit Pesehu. Vatis Pesehu. Bevigdo. She grabbed him by his garment, Lamor, saying, Shikhva imi, lie down with me. Vayazov bigdo biyoda, and he abandoned his garment in her hand, Vayonas, and he fled, Vayetse hachutza, and he went outside. It was, but really, not physically outside, he just, he, both. Both. He was yeah. able to. Yeah. It's two parts. There's Vayonas, he fled, yeah. and there's Vayetse hachutza. Mm -hmm. He went out. He went out to this other mm -hmm. place. So spiritually, spiritually, yeah. spiritually, yeah. he moved out yeah. into this phase of the supernatural. That's what Rabbi Goldberg talks about. He just doesn't say it in necessarily in this way, right? But he talks about this quoting, um, quoting the Mashkiach. Let's see, <laughs> Rabbi Rucham Lovavitz, that conquering our Sahara is a supernatural act. Now, that could be a discouraging comment because, well, then what am I supposed to do? I'm only human. The answer is, no, no, this is a supernatural act we actually can achieve. Yosef is Mechaev, all of us. We all have Yetzirah, and it can be done. And because we enter into the realm of supernatural, Hashem also helps us to conquer our Yetzirah at the final supernatural moment. Okay. Which tells us something, then, about our lives, that there's a pressure in life and in our natural aspects of living, and that the purpose of that pressure is to help us reach our supernatural potential. Yeah. Okay. There's a purpose, there's a purpose of a Yetzirah. This is a very different way of thinking about the Yitzhahara. It's a very different way of thinking about challenge and difficulty and pain. That it has a purpose. It's not just something you wait till it's over and things get better. It has a purpose. And the purpose of the pain and the purpose of the struggle and the is to bring us to our potential, which comes back to the Pesukim we opened with, right? The verse in Hosea. With ropes of Adam, of man, I will draw them near. Or perhaps with ropes of Adam, like Adam. Because how did we get tied to those ropes? Why is that how we have to be pulled? That's Adam, right? Adam I shall pull them with the ropes of Adam. With cords of love. And I shall be to them like one who lifts the, the yoke off their cheeks, and I will provide food. Okay, 
so now we start to understand some new things about the process of going into Pesach because we are also going through a phase of being enslaved in Egypt and we're also going through a phase of coming out of Egypt That's right. That's right. When we get to where we can use our mind to overcome the natural pull, it can be emotional. Emotional is still down here, right? There's physical, there are physical drives. There's also emotional drives. When we can make, using our mind means making a choice. When we use our choice, when we use our free will, and say, I will not give in to this, no matter how tempting, no matter how painful. Because in the end, it's really between me and God. I may not look like I'm facing God. I may look like I'm facing a sadistic, cruel person. But really, it's me and God. So let's start talking about Pesach a little bit. Some for you guys. Okay. All right. I think you should have a song that you can figure out like this. <laughs> You're right. You're right. When when you when like when you have that feeling nice. that somebody is telling you something like that's new, that gives you a new way of seeing yeah. that which you already knew, right? It is happy. It is a happy moment. Even if you're not hearing what you wanted to hear, it's a happy moment. <laughs> okay. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, a verse, like I promised this morning, stuff that comes before the songs. Okay, so this is a Mishnah. In the Haggadah. Okay, so the Haggadah really begins with this is the bread of affliction which we ate in Mitzrayim. What is different? Manishtana, we start asking questions. What's different about this night from all other nights? Avadim Hayinu Lafaro Mitzrayim. We were slaves and God took us out. And then, sorry. And if we hadn't been taken out, we would still be enslaved to Paro and Mitzrayim. And even if we're all wise, and we're all knowledgeable, and even if we knew the whole Torah, it would still be a mitzvah to talk about Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. And it once happened that there were five great rabbis who were talking about the story of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, and they stayed up all night until their students came and said, you know, you have to say Kriyashma. Amar Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. This is kind of where you get the Dvar Torah about how his beard turned gray, or his hair turned gray, and like, I have to tell you, my, I've never, and only after that you get to Baruch HaMakom Baruch Hu and you can start singing. And I have to tell you, we get so hung up on like his hair turned color that I think we, we sometimes forget what he actually said. And he said like, and you read it and you say, wait, what is, what, what's he telling us? Amar Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah said, Hare ani keven shivim shana. I'm like a 70-year-old. Velozachisi, and I never merited. Shateyamar Yetzias Mitzrayim Balelos. 
to convince the Chachamim that there is a mitzvah to remember Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim at night. Just like you say Shema morning and night, and part of attached to saying Shema is the third paragraph, which remembers Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. He couldn't convince the Chachamim of that. The way I just explained it is according to the way Rav Moshe Eisman explains it in a book, The li Listening People. So whoever hears this and says, what are you saying? You don't know how to read a Mishnah? I don't, but that's what he said it means. He's a Talmud Chacham. Adshed Derasha Ben Zoma. I never merited that until Ben Zoma brought a new explanation. What's the new explanation? Shanamar, the verse says, Leman tizkor es yom mitzrayim kol in order that you should remember your uh, leaving from Egypt all the days of your life. The verse could have just said, the days of your life. Those two words teach us day. Remember, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim by day. All the days of your life, halelos. That includes the night, because it's the whole day. Okay. It seems to me that that is based on Apostle Gimbaratius, by Yara Lokim es kol asher asa, God saw all that he had made, vehine tov me'od, and behold, it was very good. And Chazal teaches over there, very good comes to include the Yetzirah and death, meaning that which is dark, that which is night. All right. Chachamim omrim, but what did the Chachamim say all along? Yemei chayecha, the days of your life, that's how olam hazeh, that's in this world. Kol yemei chayecha, all the days of your life. Lahavi limos ha-Mashiach, that's to get you to the days of the Mashiach, to a different, a different plane of living. You have to, <laughs> we don't ask because we're hung up on his hair color problem, right? Okay. And, and also the very interesting story of how he came to be like a 70-year-old. It's very, very interesting stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised if your kids will say it at the Seder. Why was he hung up on this? What is he trying to convince them of? What's he trying to convince them of that it matters so much that it bothered him that he couldn't convince people that this was the way you had to understand the verse? The mitzvah. He didn't. Ben Zoma's the one who brought the verse, and that gave him relief. He understood, you have to remember Yitzhiya Mitzrayim at night. What's all the prelude about? Why didn't the Mishnah just come and say, Ben Zoma says, What is Elazar Ben Azariah's issue? Okay kind of the same question we asked at the beginning of this whole set, right? If you're going to say right? think about it. What's he saying? He's saying you got to remember Yitzhiya Mitzrayim at night. You have to pay attention to the night. You have to pay attention to the night. And finally Ben Zoma came and said, So now we're going to look at this chart. We're not going to have time to explore in great depth how I got to all the pieces of this chart. And I hope I didn't make any mistakes. I hope I am correctly handing over that which is taught. Did we speak about, I'm sorry, just I'm going to ask you, did we speak about the mashal of the person behind the barrier? We did, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. All right. 
So remembering the muscle of the person behind the barrier. I can push the button and let them out. I can tell them and explain to them how to get out. Or I can ask them questions and help lead their mind to a solution finding mode. Right? What have you tried? What are you going to do next? How do you think that will help? Okay. The Pachad Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak Kutner, on Purim, compares this, and, and I don't think we talked about the Pachad Yitzchak's example of this. I don't think. Okay, with the blind, with the darkness, right? Looking to recognize someone in the dark. Okay. And the person who has a candle and can see clearly, so this person has a clearer view when it's dark, but when the light comes, they're no further ahead than they were. The person who has to train himself to hear the voice and recognize someone in the darkness, they may not have as clear a vision during the night, but when the sun comes up, then they will be able to not only see just as clearly as the other person, but they have new what he calls kohotanefesh. They have new ability. They're at a different place. They can do more. All right. Rav Hutner really bridges this idea on Pesach as well. So he does this by uh, quoting the Maharal. The Maharal is commenting on the idea that the structure of the Pesach Seder, the structure of Haggadah, the mitzvah to tell over Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, there are two qualities that really stand out about how you're supposed to tell over Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. One is matchilim bignus, we begin with negative, umesayimim b'shevach, and we end with praise. We begin with what's difficult and end with what's glorious. Or we begin with, genus really means saying something not so nice about somebody. And shevach means praising them. That's how we tell over the story of the Haggadah. You can already hear here that question of how can we just ignore the imprisoned part of the freeze the imprisoned, right? We start with that which is not so nice to say and end with that which is nice. There's another real uh, prominent aspect of how the Haggadah is told, how Sipor Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is given over, <clears throat> which is that it should be given over betoras tshuva al she'ela as an answer to a question. By the way, let's say two Talmidei Chachamim are sitting next to each other having a Seder. They ask each other manishtana. They ask the four questions. Not really four, whatever. Shtayim sheim arba. Okay. Right. What if one person is by himself having a Seder? This happens. Okay. He asks himself the questions. You understand what that halacha means? It means that the way that we say the Haggadah is an answer to a question. So the way Rav Hutner puts it is, everything we learn can be, we can, we can receive it either as information or as something that answers a doubt or a question we had. Which one has a bigger impact on us? 
when it answers a question or a doubt. If you have a question that's been bothering you, and then you get an answer, that answer has a much deeper and more profound impact on you. If someone just tells you the information, then they told you, and that's, that's nice. It doesn't usually change you so much. Sometimes it'll change you down the line when you have a question, and all of a sudden that answer that you heard before comes back to your mind, right? But the real impact is in the question. In fact, says Rav Huttner, a really good question is more powerful than a really good answer. <laughs> answers need questions more than questions need answers, he says. Whoa. This is the process of moving into Pesach and into Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So let's see how that plays out using this chart. I wrote at the top the basic sources, okay? The left side is freedom of the night. The right side is freedom of the day. Those terms are not my own. They're of Moshe Eisman's. What is the nature of freedom of the night? Darkness. Okay. So think over here. Gullus, maybe? Okay. Freedom of the day, that's light. That's the Messianic era, that column. Okay, so these are kind of the two things we're contrasting here. One is darkness, one is light. One is nighttime, building strength to be able to continue onward. Freedom of the day is savoring accomplishment. I can, look what I can do. I do this, I do that. That's a great feeling. When you're just trying to pull yourself together to be able to keep going, you don't always have much satisfaction, right? Freedom of the night is who are we? I'm asking the question, who am I? I'm learning Torah. I'm learning what, it, what, it, what does God want me to be? What's my relationship with him? And it changes the experience of understanding who I am. The freedom of the day is what am I supposed to do? It's mitzvos. It's an elevated experience of who I am. One's the question, one's an answer, right? One is who am I? That's not a very comfortable question to ask. We're not usually happy when we're asking, who am I anyway, right? But it's an amazing feeling when you feel like you know who you are and you're accomplishing it, you're fulfilling who you are. Freedom of the night is, well, this is going to be backwards, right? It's a pasuk, to relate by day your kindness, your chesed, and faith in you, your emuna, at night. So the night, freedom of the night is trusting in God at night knowing that he is in power. Freedom of the day is when it's bright and clear to see and I can tell over and sing praise of Hashem. Freedom of the night is Hester Panim. That's what we talked about, that idea that the greatest kindness may be the most hidden kindness. God's hand may be most hidden, and yet that is kindest, right? Because we change, we grow. The freedom of the day is gilui shechina. It's the revelation of God's glory. We don't change at that point. We didn't accomplish it, but it's a much brighter image. It's a much greater vision, much clearer. Freedom of the night is Purim. Freedom of the day is Pesach. Freedom of the night is geula. Freedom of the day is Yitzia. That is referring to a specific uh, resolution 
of different verses talking about Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. You'll notice them in the Haggadah, that we were redeemed at night, and yet we were redeemed in the day. We left Yitzhiya Mitzrayim in the middle of the day. So no one could say, how come, right? How We would have stopped you if we'd seen you running. So which was it? Was it night or day? One was Geula, redemption, because the night of the first, the first Seder, right? The Mitzrim couldn't touch us. We take their sheep, we tie it to a bed. They can't do anything to touch us. We were truly free, right? Paro's frantically trying to stop Makas because we were free. But we didn't actually leave until the daytime, which tells us that Geula, redemption, is something experienced internally. It's not that you can see a difference. We were still in Egypt in the night, but freedom of the day is experienced externally. We walked out. We were no longer even in Egypt. Under Geula, we were in Egypt, but it couldn't touch us. There's Yosef's battle, yeah? He's there. He's with Mrs. Potiphar, and yet he's saying, you can't really touch me. The freedom of the night is a long, hard process. But the redemption is instantaneous. One moment you are a slave, you are vulnerable, and one moment you realize you're not. Whereas the freedom of the day happens quickly. It's joyous, it's happy, it's not painful. And it moves step by step by step out of Egypt, out into a new life. One after another, you can see the process and you get there. These are related to the ideas, two aspects of Geulah, Be'ito Achishana. In its time, it will be hurried. Freedom of the night is also known as Ra. It's a word that becomes harder and harder to define. Bad? Okay? This is what Chazal are telling us when they say that Hashem saw all that he did. It's including, according to Rav Hirsch, that word all includes Tov plus Ra. That which we experience is good, and that which we experience is bad. Another way of saying that is, Kishem shemivarchim al hatov, mivarchim al hara. Just as we bless God for what is good, we bless Him for what is bad. Those are the two brachas of hatov hametiv. I mean, that could be another. We could keep the chart going, right? Hatov hametiv versus the robbing Dayan haemes. And yet, someday we'll see it all as kol, as all together, and we'll say hatov hametiv on everything. We realize that it was tov and metiv all along, but we're in the dark. Night precedes the day. That's the freedom of the night. So the night is adding value versus freedom of the day. In the Messianic era, we say the day precedes the night. So the night is not bringing anything to the day. In fact, in the final redemption that we're heading into, there kind of is no night. It's yom shekulo aroch, yom shekulo tov, Right, this is the harachamans for sukkahs. Right, the the day which is kind of all day, a day which is all long. There is no night following at all. So Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria is saying, "Yemei chayecha hayomim, kol yemei chayecha haleilos." The chachamim were saying, "Yemei chayecha, yeah, that's an olam hazeh, but kol yemei chayecha." The goal is is to get to the messianic era. Not that you're looking back and seeing a value. This according to Rav Moshe Eisman. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't insert this on my own. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah was desperate to get across the idea, right? 
we don't just look at our struggles and pain as something to get through and hang on until we get to the light. The struggle and the pain and the suffering and the darkness has a value. There is such a thing as freedom of the night. It's internal. It's difficult. It is not a simple thing to do what a Yosef does to get from the, the, the natural reactions to things to a state where we're supernaturally making choices even when everything in our body and emotions is screaming to do something different. And it may not be visible on the outside. Nobody may appreciate or notice what we're doing. But that's where the change happens. That's where we become different people. That is that freedom of the night. And so the Seder starts with the negative. We say, We worshipped idols. We did. Why do we have to mention that? Why, why, like, is that tactless? No. Because, as the Maharal says, praise which follows gnus, which follows the negative, is much more powerful praise. It's harder to hear it, but it means a lot more. You were idol worshippers, and then you went and followed God into the desert? You let him take you wherever he wanted, and you didn't know where you were going? And there was no food out there and no water out there? We were idol worshippers even in Egypt. Right? The Malachim are like looking at these two groups of people at the Red Sea and saying, sorry, which are which? We, they look about the same. I, we see a bunch of idol worshippers down there. Okay? Like, and we still follow God into the desert. All right? It's questions and answers, and we're not afraid to ask the questions. Because when we ask the questions, <coughs> we get to much powerful answers, and we are changed because of them. So... We thank Hashem, Matir Asurim. He frees the imprisoned. We are imprisoned in our Yetzirahs and in our bodies and in our emotions and in our hang-ups and in our baggage and in our suffering. We are. Sometimes we feel imprisoned by it. It's true. But Hashem is Matir Asurim. Hashem frees us. He's given us free will. He's given us torn mitzvahs. He's given us a relationship. He's given us tools with which, the chukechayim, by which we can discover love of God. And we can struggle toward it. And we can do the supernatural. And then he will, at that last moment, like with Yosef, reach in and pull us out. So what we're thanking him for is, yeah, fr freedom to move. Remember, the simple meaning of the blessing is I can move my body. I was stuck when I was sleeping. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed in my sleep. And now I'm free to move again. Okay, but it also means I'm free to move. I don't have to be stuck here. I don't have to be stuck physically, and I don't have to be stuck in my mind and in my heart. I am free to break free of that Yetzirah. No matter how overwhelming it seems, it can be done. I, ha I have the ability to do what needs to be done here. It doesn't mean I know that I can push away the iron skewer. It doesn't mean I know that I'm not going to go hungry. But I can break free. I don't have to be enslaved to it. It's really between me and Hashem. And then I'm not a slave. I may still be in Egypt, but I won't be a slave. And someday we have a full Matira Surum to look forward to, which is all part of this process of these brachos, right, talking about 
the tools of recovering from the sin in Gan Eden. We've talked about that idea before. Matir mm-hmm. Hashem will set us free of our Yitzhahara someday. And we might even then, again, not something I would say on my own, we might even then look back and say, wow, remember those days when we struggled and we achieved it? And it looked so small, but it was really so big. Right? So have a good Pesach. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really And uh, I hope this will help us all feel like we are coming mm-hmm. out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. All right? And, and also the parts that don't have tunes to them are fun, fun mm-hmm. to read in the Haggadah. Okay. Oh, because you referred to that, that Tanka Gitzchak yesterday, um, last week. So I, 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 I Xeroxed it and I mm-hmm. shared it with the Rosh Chodesh group over Shabbos. Oh, so I wanted we to ask you if you were having your, well, if you were having it, was on Shabbos. But awesome. it was so powerful. Awesome and readable. Yeah. For a Pachat Yitzchak. Well, yeah. He's hard. It was hard, but I got, I mean, I, I learned it together with my husband, and then I related it. Oh, so Everyone fun. was, like, so wow. The information was so fascinating. So and I thanked you for it. Cause I oh, that, so thank you. Thank you. But um, it was so, I was so happy to have found something like this. So fascinating. Yes. Yeah. The whole piece is fascinating. It is. It re- I, did. I mean, Pachad Yitzchak and General Putner has a way of just, Dropping your jaw anyway, if you yeah, like if you can understand what he's saying, which is not so easy. Like another another, another one. It builds more and more and more. Yeah, and and all of a sudden your whole life is in a different light and always will be. It sheds. It's another candle that like you you never have to go back to where you were before. In that area, whatever that is, that way of seeing it. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Thank you for telling me. <laughs>